0: This is The Living Temple, a podcast produced by Red Church for people who want to follow Christ in real life.
1: There's this sense of continually turning to God, this continual inner worship uh, and prayer. So you're constantly developing this discipline of being in God's presence.
2: Hello. Hello, Vicky. Thank you.
1: It's good to be back.
2: Yes. We are back in uh, the same room as we were last week. Yes. Um, I think the lines have all been marked, though. Yeah. 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 very definitive lines out there in the car park.
1: Bright white.
2: Bright white. 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 And we just finished having a conversation about turret trucks.
1: Turret trucks, which I took turret as a little thing at the top of a castle.
2: Yes, which it is, but um, in Japan they are also, um, turret trucks are actually little, kind of like the fish market's answer to um, golf carts. It looks like a cross
1: between a golf cart and a, because by the way, what we're looking at is a picture on your water bottle. Yes. (laughs) Which is of some cool uh, cafe in Tokyo called Turret Coffee, which has been established since 2013. Yeah, 13. 13. In Suo Kiji, Um. Kiji, yeah. So shout out to that coffee shop which I've never been to. Yeah, they yeah.
2: actually had little. Um, they had a little koala in there. So some oh, so had the, visited.
1: And, and but that's what I find. There's so many Australian roots when you go to good coffee shops overseas. Yeah. Particularly in the US.
2: Yeah. Need yeah. we say more?
1: It's our cultural imperialization of the world. Mm, yeah. Through
2: coffee. Through coffee. One bean at a time.
1: One bean at a time. This planet will be ours.
2: Is that really our mission?
1: Not our mission. It's it's some Melbournians' mission. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
2: But not us. Our mission, however, is to do this podcast. So to recap from last week, uh, Mark, you were talking to us about these two levels that Thomas Kelly was discussing where we have this sort of top level where it's all about feelings and what am I experiencing right now? And then there's this deep soul kind of level where we meet God, where yeah. the Shekinah glory, as you put it, yeah. can dwell and is yeah. dwelling. Yeah.
1: And, and also we looked at that concept too of that the temple, if we are living temples, yes. the temple has these two sort of spaces, one which is the, um, like in the tabernacle, there was the holy place, which is like you entered into the tabernacle or you entered into the temple and there was like a line of purification that you crossed. Yes. And, um, but then there was this inner place. Which was mm. the holiest of holies, which is where you met God face to face, where God's glory dwelt, um, and we talked about how that deeper level within us is almost like that. That's the place where it's like the holiest of holies within us, where yeah. the glory of God dwells, um, yeah, within us. And it's interesting. I was thinking too, like
2: um,
1: since we spoke about that, that, and, and I mean, I'd love to ask Thomas Kelly if he was alive today, but. Is it also that in that space when when it's not... Like I think of of the temple um, at different times, Israel put like there were idols in the temple. Yeah. You know, and um, one of the Roman um, emperors, you know, I forgot which one is, um, Gaius maybe, who wanted to place a, um, you know, idol of himself within the temple. And that was like the ultimate sacrilege. Yeah. So is that space where like our deepest idols lie? Um, Because you have that experience when something... In that deeper level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because, Because like you were talking about last week how you had this moment where you, when you are asking a clarifying question where... You read this poem and you felt like God speak to you very yeah. clearly. Yeah. But then there's those moments where all of a sudden you're going along with your day and you're almost in that inner world, upper level. And yes. then something happens. Someone says something. Yeah. Something triggers something. And just like this thing comes from within you. Yes. And you're almost sickened. Like, where the heck did that come from? Or a hidden inner world of some people. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I wondered if it's like, if the presence doesn't dwell there, you know... Like, you know, it's been said humans are like idol-making machines. So if the presence doesn't dwell there, do other idols inhabit that space? Yes. is an interesting thought.
2: It is an interesting thought. And then it makes me wonder, like, can the presence of God dwell there in that deep place? But we also have idols there as well. Yes, like, yes, yes. How does that?
1: Yeah, well, so much of Israel. I mean, there's certain times when, um, you know, you look at the temple and like, so, for example, Solomon builds his temple. Mm. And you know, it's interesting. So the glory sort of rocks up, yeah. And it sort of hesitates, and, and it's sort <laughs> of like because Solomon's built this temple, and in a sense, it's the great house that David desired, yes. you know, for, for for God to dwell in. Yet he adds this palace, and yeah. there's all these little interesting textual. Um, Daniel J. Hayes has got this book on the on the temple, and he talks about all these different little um, things that that like just tiny. Like you almost would miss them when you read the text, but mm-hmm. these little things that, like little details that are not obeying God in the fullest, like when when Moses created the tabernacle, and like you know, it's it's not just a temple; it's also his palace. So it's like, yeah, I'm building this thing to God, but I'm also building a, a, a memorial to myself. My, yeah. Um, so so much of Israel's history is is not like straight up idolatry or straight up devoted worship of yeah. Yahweh; it's contested. So I think so. I think yeah. you're right that. That space is there, but inside of us as yeah. living temples. But often with Christians it gets contested. Yes. So and I think what we're looking at is, yeah, like sorry, you can say something.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say that it's like that that tension and that stuff that we've talked about before of having your foot in two camps. Yes. And yes. trying to live in both. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so I think like what we're going to talk about today is really this idea then of okay, for people who are listening and want to go deeper, and that's really who this podcast is for. How do we then live in that space. Because what we spoke about last week, it's not just a, a, a changing, ever-changing state. It's yeah. not like trying to just pull back the curtain for a moment to get yeah. a hit of the glory. Yeah. It's actually God wants us to dwell with Him in personal relationship. So how do we, now that we can have full access, and we yes. looked at Second Corinthians last week, how it talks about the veils being lifted, mm-hmm, we can mm-hmm. see God face to face. And how do we step into that space where we're being remade in His glory? So really, it's this sort of... Kelly, Callie, Callie in talking about this, said it's almost this... Um, very simple practice of bringing like your mental habits of reflecting that you're in the presence of God. Mm. There's this sense of continually turning to God, this continual inner worship uh, and prayer. So you're constantly developing this discipline of being in God's presence. Our intrepid sound man is waving. Um, Waving, he's Googled something um, Mm -hmm. on this point. Would you
0: maybe hand Daniel the microphone? It's become the the tradition um, when he he has good things to say. Um, Yeah, I think this has just sparked an interesting kind of conversation in my own mind and kind of ties in with uh, kind of a book, biography, or not even biography, like a journal almost um, that I've been reading by a guy named Frank Lorbeck. Um, Oh, yes, yes um it's titled the uh, letters of a modern mystic um it's just a short little thing and um and he just he's a he's a missionary in Papua New Guinea back in the 30s um and he just kind of begins on this kind of experiment i suppose of um yeah of being in constant communi- communion with god i suppose mm. and it's it just one of his entries here january twenty second twenty uh, ninth sorry nineteen thirty mm. he says, "I feel simply carried along each hour, doing my part in a plan which is far beyond myself. This sense of cooperation with God in little things is what so astonishes me, for I have never felt it this way before. I need something, and I turn round to find it waiting for me. I must work to be sure, but there is God working along with me to know this gives us a sense of security and assurance of the future." Which is also new to, to my life. I seem to have to make sure of only one thing now and every other thing takes care of itself, or I prefer to say as what or I prefer to say what is more true, God takes care of all the rest. My part is to, and this is a part I suppose that's really stuck out for me. Mm. Um, my part is to live this hour in continuous inner conversation with God, and in perfect responsiveness to His will, to make this hour gloriously rich. This seems to be all I need to think about. Mm. Um, and so, if, for me, and what God's been doing in me in the last few months has been this invitation to kind of ongoing communication, communion yeah. with Him. But yeah, I've I've struggled to kind of like, all right, here's, I'm reading about a guy from, you know, 90 years ago. Yeah. Um, is this, yeah, but how does this connect in my own reality? Is mm. this something achievable? Is this just mm. kind of a, I don't know, far out idea but mm. in what we're what we've been unpacking I'm wondering whether this is some yeah. some language to help us with this
1: Well I mean Laback I think goes the Union Seminary in New York and then you know so he, he gets this education and and this knowledge in theology but then ends up I think he's in Mindanao and has a real crisis and then just discovers this incredibly simple thing which is thinking of God I think he first I'm going to think of God every hour or and they sort of brought down to half an hour or 10 minutes or one minute or whatever, come with the exact details. But that sense of simply just your attention coming to God. Mm-hmm. So it's not even this like, I've got to create this state. It's just that I'm going to focus on God, that God is central, that is important. And that's you know very similar to what Kelly is speaking about. And what's so interesting is that it's just transformative as you get the inclinations. I mean, you get the impression in some of that quote there that it literally transforms his life. Um so it's this sort of discipline and it's simple. I mean, Kelly says it's more simple than you realize, like the more you get into it. Yeah. Um, and I think that what's helpful too is that what, what we're not saying here is, here's this upper level of your inner life and that's your reactions to the world and your feelings and your planning and stuff like that. So leave that behind and just come and dwell in this mystical sphere down the bottom where you just sit on a, a rock overlooking a beautiful vista and just continually be in the mystical presence. Um, That really, like, it's this, I think Kelly used the term, fruitful interplay. Mm. And again, too, coming back to that idea that God wants heaven and earth working together and uniting. That actually the two are to work in synergy. That there's this hierarchy in heaven that God creates of the heavenly host. And there's hierarchy on earth with humans and animals and creation. And all of it's meant to work in this beautiful symphony. And you see that in Genesis 1 as it sort of sets out this this hierarchy in the skies and on, and on the earth. And so our lives are meant to reflect that. So it's this concept of, you know, where Kelly says, here is no discipline in absent-mindedness. Walk and talk and work and laugh with your friends, but behind the scenes, keep up the life of simple prayer and inward worship. Keep it up throughout the day. Let your inward prayer be your last act before you fall asleep and the first act when you wake. Mm. And in those times, you'll find his brother, Lawrence, who wrote an incredible, it's a very similar theme, um, called practicing the presence of God, mm-hmm. and in those and he's quoting Brother Lawrence here. Though, and sorry, let me start again. And in that time, you'll find, as Brother Lawrence, that those who have the gale of the Holy Spirit as they go forward, even in sleep. So it's this concept of being co- continual communion, and so it's almost this background to your life, this yeah. current that's continually flowing into your daily world and every waking moment. Yeah. And look, I'm not there yet, but it's. I think this is like a I don't know, you know, lower back, it was a discipline. It's, it's something you have to practice and walk out. It's not a works thing. It's not like you have to do this to be, to be saved because we're saved. We can enter into the presence, Yes, yeah. but this is a way of going deeper and being transformed in that glory mm. as that Corinthians verse promised.
2: Yeah. And I think it has to be a practice because it's so easy to, you know, be in a situation and want to be fully present in that situation and I'm hanging out with my friends and i uh, going out for a glass of wine or something. And it's really hard in that moment, unless you are practiced in it, I imagine, to, to be like in the background, there's this yes. stuff going on. There's, there's God speaking. Yes. Um. But I've been around people who do live like that. Yes. And, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yes. They'll just sort of maybe not quite disappear for a moment, but I'll be like, what's, what's going on right now? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm just, yeah, God's just saying something. Isn't it funny? Like, ah, yeah. I want that. <laughs> yeah,
1: And it's not like you go, oh, is that that kind of person. But it's like a process that you see people in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and you know it. Mm. Like it'd be really hard. Like you're not know, going to see it visually. It's a certain interaction people have yeah. with God in the world. Yes. And, it, and once you see it, it's so precious. Yeah. And you're right. You're just like, I want that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess when I think about those kind of people who do have this sort of ongoing um, interaction with God it's like when god speaks to them that god's giving them a new perspective on how to look at the world yeah. i've often explained it as like kingdom eyes like looking at yes. the world and seeing the world as god does and i've had so many glimpses of that mm. but that practice of being in it and being present in it is so fascinating
0: mm.
2: yeah and i would love i guess i would love to know where to start with that also
1: well, I think like once you're practicing that mental habit of like I've tried to do it while just continually stopping. Yeah. And I might not even work. And this is really simple. Mm. What I've done is I literally have just been touching. You, you can't see because it's being recorded. But I literally just almost touch my sternum. Yes. Um, and it's just a reminder that there's that level there. Yeah. And to, to press into it's like, oh, God's with me. And, and, And what I'm finding is it changes how I weigh things. And mm. it's this idea of like if you've got that sort of initial level one let's just call it the holy place, your inner life. And things come into that. And um, I'm going to use the example just say so you're looking for work and all of a sudden this job comes and it's yep. like, oh, wow, that ticks the box. And and my mum would probably think that's good. and <laughs> um, Wow, it's actually a little bit flattering because they said these 12 nice things about me and they seem to genuinely want me. And like, yes. it's in that space. And then you sort of go, okay, stop, stop. And then you bring it down. And this never happens this quickly, but... I found like you bring into that space and you sit with it and you pray and you put the other voices aside and you bring it into God's presence. It's like a light is shined on it and it mm. reveals it and you go, hang on. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, yeah. am I just saying yes? Because and it's like God goes, this is what I think. Yeah. Like, and it's like what's revealed as, it's like the eternal perspective. Yeah. When you bring it down, there. you go from the temporal perspective because, you know, earth into yes. the heavenly perspective, eternal. And that's where I think whether it's like, you know, fruit or chaff is revealed and this concept that in that space like it's it's, it's the eternal perspective is really revealed and you look at it through the big story of god and you look at it through his ways and his contours so it's this incredibly important um, just way to weigh the world so if that's going on all yeah. the time yeah you know and even people differently like you might be the thing you're like oh there's a bunch of people there and oh there's the friends and they're having a great time and yeah, yeah, yeah i'm interacting with that and that's brilliant and then it's like you stop and then you're like, hang on, there's this person over here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've had that where I felt that often. It happens with me in the social things where like, I feel like God said, like, go and speak to that person. And then you talk to that person and you discover something. And there's this really interesting communion with them maybe. And yes. maybe you help them or maybe you learn something from them. I remember a number of years ago, I was at a conference, a big conference. And there was a lot of really well-known names there. And I was, I was a bit younger than I am now. And, and it's like all these sort of people, a number of them I looked up to. And I remember that, like, oh, wow, it would be great to have a chat with this person yeah. and that person. And, you know, wow, I'm in this room. Wow, this is a privilege. And then there was this guy and I just sort of felt like I would say, stop, stop. And I went down that, that space and, and I just started listening to this guy and had this most incredible conversation with him where really he ministered to me and I realized that he was actually one of the most kingdom-minded yeah. people in the room. Yeah. Not known. And I had this real God encounter chatting to this guy. (laughs) And I would have missed that if I hadn't stopped and gone down to that deeper level. So I think that's continually invitational. Um, But there's interesting too, because it's a focus. I find this really interesting that there's a focus that has to happen. Mm. A focus is narrowing in on one thing. And this process happens when I'm walking. So like, I'll find it like um, there's these transition moments you go from a conversation to the next thing or you drive in your car and there's these transition moments where it's just you. Yeah. So they're the moments where it's like like we forget God is constantly with us. Jesus is constantly with us. Yeah. And what do we do now? We fill those moments. A phone. Yep. Turn on the music in the car. Um, earphones in. And we're filling the spaces where actually God, like, what if they're the spot like, okay, stop? Silence God. So it's 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 this really interesting thing where it's about, you know, there's all in mindfulness and all that sort of stuff, which I think the secular world's jumping on onto all this stuff, but they talk about being present, you know, and there's an element that there's a secular version of that. But then I also think if God is alive and real and he's active and he's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to no. hang out with you. Hey, I've got something to say about what's happening now. Yeah. Hey, I want to give you advice in this moment. I want to give you knowledge. I want to give you wisdom. All around you is the glory. I'm holding creation together. Mm. This whole thing I created and invited you to be part of it. I miss out on that when I'm not being present, Mm. you know. And I remember when I was sick in 2004 for a whole year and how in touch with all my responsibilities went and I just was unwell. But I became incredibly present that year and felt God so clearly so many times because everything was stopped. So our busyness distracts us from this kind of life. So there's this, you know, and that's that Dallas Willard quote of, you know, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life yeah. because it's like our our thinking goes up into that high level plans. What am I going to do? I'm going to react to the world. I've got to do this. Whereas you come down to this space, like God is waiting, like, like God's continually sitting next to you. I'm here. I'm ready to chat. Like, mm. just, just talk to me.
2: Yeah. I had a really similar experience actually a couple of years ago when I fractured my ankle and mm. I couldn't drive. I couldn't really go to work unless somebody came to pick me up and Yeah. And I didn't expect it, but God started speaking to me through all of these different things. It was kind of startling at the time. I was like, oh my goodness, what Mm -hmm. is going on? And it was because I had to stop. Yes. Yeah. I didn't have any other option.
1: Well, Kelly says this really interesting thing of how it's like, like we're attached to the world. So our Mm. busyness attaches us to the world. I'm just going to read it. It He says, um, so sort of this, this bringing things down into that deeper place with God in that holiest of holies hmm. paradoxically this total instruction proceeds in two opposing directions at once we are torn loose from earthly attachments and ambitions so in other words we're torn from the world we're we going to that space yes and at the same time we're quickened to a divine but painful concern for the world and this line is brilliant he plucks the world out of our hearts loosening the chains of attachment and hurls the world into our hearts so what he's saying there is we're attached to the world so we can't we can't minister to it because we're attached to it and we're yeah. participating in its brokenness but then when you break your attachment to the world satiating that 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 holiest of holy emptiness in us. And we go, only God can do that. And God's actually there. He's done the cross. He's there. He's here. He's available. He wants to shape me in his glory. I want to reflect his glory. That all of a sudden, like, he breaks the world and then you can minister to it. It's almost like people are in a codependent relationship and they've got to emotionally unentangled to then again actually love each other. Yeah, It's like, that's like us in the world. So this practice is breaking attachment to the world to see how we are called to the world
2: yeah and this is so a call for the church yes as well as us as individuals right totally yeah
1: and that's where the, the church is called to be the temple as well the yeah. church is called yeah. to be that and i think it's like we become codependent with the world and attach the world and enslaved to the world when we we just have earth mm. but when there's this heaven and earth intertwined it gives us a perspective to be in the world but our controls are being run by heaven yeah and, and god's will which could be a good thing to talk about next week.
2: Yes, excellent. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to The Living Temple Podcast. For more information and resources, head to thelivingtemple.org.